0: We, uh, we often talk about following Jesus. That's what we call it, right? We're following after Jesus. And following Jesus is challenging uh, because the world is often confusing. For me, I, I think it's, it's often fairly easy to identify what is good and what is evil. But it's much more complicated, much more challenging for me to know what to do about what's good and what to do about what's evil in my life and in the world. I know that I should love my neighbor. I often have no idea how to get my neighbor to notice or accept the love that I offer. It's a bit more challenging. I know that I should live free of the world, free of worldly influence and free of sin. But often I don't realize where I'm giving into the world in life. I don't realize where I'm making compromises or where sin has a grip on me. I need a little extra guidance in that area. I know because of the calls of Christ and the plain statements of Scripture that I should preach to all creation. I should minister to all creation. Uh, But, you know, I'm only one guy, and I'd like to have some direction about where specifically in creation I should invest uh, my, my ministry and, and my attention, or at least where I should focus next in life, uh, because there are seasons. Uh, Jesus didn't just move through the world 2,000 years ago. He's moving through my life now. You know, I follow God in real time, and life is very fluid. Uh, there are a lot of decisions to be made and my obedience to his real-time leading, to his real-time guidance, releases power in my life. So today we're going to talk about prophecy. We're going to talk about hearing directly from the Lord, just God speaking to us, God speaking to you directly, and we call that prophecy or revelation or something like that. Prophecy is mostly about obedience, and I just wanted to make that point up front. If the Lord speaks to you today, the Lord speaks to you in real time, then usually what's happening there is that he's given you opportunities to obey that guidance in real time. He's given you opportunities to shape your life according to what you perceive God is telling you right now. Scripture, the Bible... Uh, is it's really the foundation of what we believe? The Bible is basically um, the stories of God and humanity that have passed down to us through the ages. The Lord has unravelled this marvelous, glorious story uh, between Him and and humans, and there have been. Uh, seasons in that story, commands that he gave long ago that remain unchanged or have blossomed and unfolded in time. And all, all of that stuff is a totally reliable guide. It's been the foundation of the people of God for generations. Scripture is the foundation of what we believe. But prophecy shapes our lives day to day. I often say that Scripture is the bedrock of my life, but prophecy explains the shape of my life. Scripture will tell you why I believe what I believe. Um, You could understand what I believe by reading Scripture, but you cannot understand the shape of my life unless you understand that God has spoken to me in the course of my life, where I live, what I do uh, vocationally, uh, what I'm directed um, on in any given day. Usually that just comes from what I feel the Lord has said to me or what I feel the Lord has said to the people that I run with in life. I'll just give you just a brief illustration of this. When we began this church about six years ago, due to scripture, uh, those of us who started it uh, thoroughly believe that, that we should be about justice in the world. Uh, One thing that scripture makes very clear is that the people of God should always prioritize loving the poor or the oppressed, what Jesus calls the least of these uh, in the world. So we knew that we should be about justice. If you read the Bible at all, this is no mystery to you. Um, But about the time we started the church, uh, about five of us simultaneously had dreams uh, about ministering to Christians. human trafficking victims. Uh, Like pretty much at the same time. And all the dreams were a little bit different, but a little bit the same. Uh, And then one or two of us had those dreams like every night for months on end. Uh, And so everybody was telling me about these. It was very clear that while Scripture tells us to be involved in justice, the Lord was telling our community to specifically and directly get involved with ministry against human trafficking. And so that's how we began. About the first thing we did as a church was uh, this, this church-wide conference in, in uh, human trafficking and made a lot of friends that way. That led to opening some uh, uh, safe houses and it's gotten, the, the ministry has certainly uh, unfolded and expanded over time. We knew we were supposed to be about justice. God spoke and then we knew specifically how to begin. See the difference? Scripture, the foundation of life, Prophecy, sort of the shape of life. Follow me so far? Do you want a life that's shaped by God speaking to you in real time? Good. Uh, Because if you don't have some sense that the Lord is leading you by telling you things directly, then you're probably only living a portion of your life. You're probably not getting into as much trouble as you should with Jesus, if you know what I mean. And so I think the ministry of prophecy is a big part of living supernaturally. We're doing this sermon series on, on supernatural ministries. And I just, I just love uh, the ministry of, of prophecy uh, because uh, I was, it's, it's really kind of the heart of relating to the Lord as an individual or a, as a person. If you're truly relating to a supernatural being, then you should probably expect to have supernatural conversations with him. You know, conversation is the heart of relationship. Right, honey? It's what she tells me all the time. And I think the Bible makes this pretty clear. Direct conversation with God is is really the heart of relationship uh, with the Lord. People like, oh, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Samson, Deborah, Gideon, Samuel, David, Elijah, Elisha, many of the kings, all of the recorded prophets... Uh, in the Bible, Mary and Joseph, Jesus, the twelve disciples, the woman at the well, Paul, Barnabas, Cornelius, Timothy, and a whole bunch of others that I could name from Scripture—all of those characters were directed by personal supernatural revelations directly from God. God spoke; they did something. And if you think about the Bible in general, it's really just a collection of stories about God speaking to people. And those people doing things. You have a supernatural encounter with God, you get a supernatural order from the Lord, you respond. And that's the beginning of all of the really cool stories of Scripture, those stories that are our legacy as, as a people of God. God speaks, and Scripture makes clear that God is speaking today in this age of the Holy Spirit to everyone last prophecy service, we took a look at Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. Uh, it is a prophecy given by a prophet named Joel. Uh, it was somewhere around six centuries before Jesus lived. And Joel said uh, to the people, he spoke of a future day of the Lord. And he said, it, in that day, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Young men will have driven visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. According to scripture, the hallmark of the age of the Holy Spirit, which is the age in which we now live, is that we all get access to prophetic revelation from God. Now, every individual on earth can be directed directly from God. You can have a personal conversation with him. I really think that's the heart of having a personal Lord or a personal relationship with Jesus. You get to talk to him and he gets to talk to you. God is speaking to you today. But really, I think that's not the point when it comes to the ministry of prophecy. The point isn't that God is speaking, the point is that we should be listening. I don't think it's debatable that God speaks, but I think it's worth thinking about are you listening? Are you listening? Are you a good conversationalist with God? The biggest key to hearing from the Lord, the biggest key to the ministry of prophecy for us simply is we have to listen. And we have to listen well, actively. And we have to work at listening. Because conversation with God is a bit different than conversation with other beings in in the universe Well, see, because God has designed the universe in such a way that faith is required. If you want to relate to God, it's going to take a little faith. The Lord has designed things that way because faith is really the point of life. He wants you to trust in him before you believe in his existence. Or at least he wants those two things to happen successfully. It's not enough that you believe there is a God. You have to trust God. You have to put some faith into it. We could do a whole sermon on that, and we have done money uh, on it. But faith is required when you relate uh, to God. To that end, God makes Himself accessible to everyone uh, in the world, but He tends not to make Himself obvious. And that's just the nature of how He has designed things. So, though God speaks, it might be a little subtle. It might not be obvious, as obvious as you would think. You might not catch it, or you might not understand it fully. Often when the Lord speaks, there's a little mystery to how he says things. He will speak in a riddle, or he will speak metaphorically or symbolically. He makes it more complicated than he has to make it. True. He does that. I think he does that because... He wants a little faith he wants us to go a little uh, deeper uh, with him. so for most of us, uh, the process of listening involves you know some, some focus or some interpretation uh, and listening to God for us usually happens in the midst of the pressures of life you know so it takes it takes some effort uh, to really apply ourselves to listening to a God who is not. Obvious. You might associate prophetic revelation with, you know, contemplative monks sitting cross-legged on mountaintops, you know, listening for the voice of the Lord in the wind. Uh, but how many of you live like that? One person. Excellent. See, Joe, for your prophetic revelation. Um, for ministry-minded kingdom believers in the real world... Uh, listening to God usually doesn't take place while we're sitting alone on a mountaintop. It, it's, more like, it's more like we're in the middle of a battle. And prophecy is like military communications. You know, it comes to us fast in real time. We have to get really good at interpreting it uh, because there's a crush of pressure and stress and, and violence uh, around us. All right, so let's talk about how to get better at hearing the voice of the Lord, how to get better at the supernatural ministry of prophecy, because I think it is really important to the shape of how we live. Here is a saying that I have found to be trustworthy and true. It is fairly easy to perceive a prophetic revelation. It is harder to interpret that revelation accurately, and it is harder still to apply that revelation well. Easy to perceive, Hard to interpret, harder still to apply it to your life. And if we're going to be good conversationalists, we have to get good at all three of those steps. Number one, perceiving a prophecy. How does the Lord speak to us today? What do you think? Dreams. The Lord speaks to us in in dreams. Dreams in the night. True. One of the most plentiful ways that we see the Lord speak to people in Scripture uh, Bible Jeopardy. Uh, the uh, number one most prolific dreamer in Scripture is Joseph. Yeah. But not the Joseph you're thinking of. Uh, the guy with the most recorded dreams in Scripture is Joseph, Jesus' dad. Uh, I always love this. Uh, God instructed Joseph how to raise Jesus according to dreams. You know, he got the whole bit about marrying Mary and, you know, who Jesus was and how to name him all that stuff came in a dream uh, he was warned in a dream to flee from Herod because Herod was killing all the babies he was told in a dream to come back from Egypt he was told to settle in Galilee in the Nazareth area dreams great what are some other ways the Lord might speak scripture good good solid evangelical Christians God speaks through scripture. In fact, one of the first times that Jesus introduced the ministry of the Holy Spirit to his disciples, he said, uh, the Holy Spirit will come to you and he will remind you of everything that I have taught you. He will open the scriptures uh, to you. So yeah, the Holy Spirit is constantly talking to us through uh, the recorded scriptures. What else? He speaks to you through the pastor. And this from a man who's sitting appropriately in the front row. Yes, yes, pretty much the voice of the Lord, pretty much. Excellent, good church, good church. Anything else? Huh? A holy hunch, a sense, a feeling that you have, a stirring in your spirit. We have all sorts of little phrases to use. Yeah, we just feel the nudge of the Lord in our heart. What else? From your wife? All right. Now... Now we're just sucking up. (laughs) Seeing prophecy come uh, to fruition, a little insight there. You feel like the Lord speaks to you. How do you know it's the Lord speaking? Well, you see it come to pass, right? His conversation is true, and that's how we gain experience. Yeah. Um, One more. One more. What? Visions. I heard that one. And mumble yes, the Lord sometimes mumbles. Um, yeah, if if you read through Scripture, uh, which again is a recording of different times when the Lord has spoken to people, you see that the Lord speaks in just a ton of different ways: dreams, visions, uh, just senses that you have. Um, speaks to you through other people, speaks to you through Scripture. Um, you know, occasionally he speaks uh, rather directly. Uh, to Moses, he spoke as as though speaking face to face. Scripture says, to all other prophets, the Lord spoke in mysteries and riddles. But to Moses, he spoke face to face, which tells you that uh, God can speak just plainly face to face. But God most often speaks in ways that are a little bit subtle, a little bit uh, mysterious. One that nobody mentioned is angels. You know, anybody ever been visited by an angel with, you know, maybe a scroll or something or I don't know what do angels carry these days, a smartphone. Um, yeah, if an angel shows up and speaks to you, you're not going to miss it, right? Let's well, know what Scripture says. You know, Joshua on the plains of Jericho, uh, before the battle uh, of Jericho, uh, he sees a figure on the plains, a military figure, and Joshua grabs his sword and says. Who are you with, us or our enemies? And this impressive military figure says, Neither, I am captain of the Lord's hosts. And Joshua's like, "Uh uh-oh, and gets down on his face. Some people say that was an angel. Some people say that was actually an apparition of Jesus in the Old Testament. But, you know, a heavenly being. And Joshua had no clue when he first saw him. Paul says that some of you have entertained angels without not with without knowing it. Even angels take a little bit of discernment, a little bit of noticing sometimes. If we suddenly see a figure winged with, you know, a halo and a heavenly band playing, we might not miss that, but how about the direct voice of the Lord? If the Lord speaks to you from the sky, you gonna notice that? Totally, except that's not what Scripture says. Uh, the Lord spoke. Uh, to uh, to Jesus out of the sky in the Gospel of John, and, and it said that many present thought it was thunder. Even that took a little bit of discernment. There's a way in which you can always not catch uh, the voice of the Lord. You name it. He can speak in, in a million different ways, uh, but all of it might take a little bit of, of paying attention. Um, I, I I like to say that there are two ways to perceive prophecy, the telephone way or the television way. The telephone way is when God gives a message directly to you. You know, he dials your number, you answer, and he says, you know, Ryland, this is is God. Uh, I want you to tell Jordan to spruce up his wardrobe. They're videoing the sermons, and he's always dressing in drab grays and stuff like that. Uh, Thus saith the Lord, how you doing? Anyway, you know, so that's a message from God to Ryland. Um, and when the Lord speaks to you in, in that way, um, I think it's, it's often a little bit easier to catch. But another way, particularly the, the spiritually sensitive, the prophetically gifted among you might perceive supernatural information, is just to perceive it in the air, you know, just to, just to perceive things. Um, uh, prophecy is one of my lead gifts if you stand in front of me there is a pretty good chance that I can just read you spiritually there will be things I know about you that I have no business knowing I might know your calling, your spiritual gifts. I might know some of the things you're struggling with. I might know, I might even see some sins that you're struggling with because you just sort of read it in your spirit. If you have spiritual eyes, you pick up these things. When Jesus first met the disciple Nathanael, he said, here's a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. I perceive integrity and faithfulness in you. Never met the man before, but he could read it, right? That's not not gypsy stuff. Uh, They stole that from the people of God. You know, if you have a gift, you can perceive things supernaturally. But just because you perceive something doesn't mean you have to run around spouting it off. All right, who wants their secret sins revealed? Just stand up, and the prophetically gifted among us will shout them out, and that will be really useful. Just a couple brave souls in the back. Uh, one of your sins is foolhardiness. You're too eager to be vulnerable in front, of, in front of the crowd. Okay, so a couple exercises. We'll just finish off this point. What is it like to receive a vision from the Lord or receive a word from the Lord? Here's the best exercise that I know. This is the one I usually do at conferences. Everybody uh, think for a minute. I want you to think of somebody, that, a playmate that you had when you were a child, 10, 12 years old, somebody that you played with regularly. Thinking of that person. That's what it's like usually for me to get a vision or a word from the Lord. It's, <clears throat> it's like remembering something I used to see. It's that, that place in the, in the back of the head, you know, where that image came to you. And, and most certainly when I said remember that person, you saw an image of that person. Probably the image you saw was not really crisp. In fact, if I challenge you to describe that former playmate to a police sketch artist, you would be challenged to do it well. So the image that you saw was more representational than super specific and accurate, but it was enough. And because you were remembering an old playmate, probably some emotion or some emotional content or knowledge content came along with that image that you had back there in your head. right? So it was sort of a full experience in some sense, but a very subtle and vague experience in others. And that's usually what it's like for me to have a vision. It's just like that. It comes into my head like a special thought. That's it. It's like just a thought that has a little ring to it. and be very, very easy to skip right over it. Uh, so I say that 80 percent of prophecy is just noticing. learning to notice. You know Satan typically shouts, "God whispers. Why? Well, Satan wants to dominate you. God wants a relationship with you. He wants to get you to pay attention, to lean into him. Yeah? Uh, So, it's the best way I can describe it. Noticing is the key. If it's that subtle, then how do you know it's God speaking to you? How do you know that special thought, that little vision comes from the Lord? How do you know that dream comes from God? How do you know it's not just the spicy pizza that you ate before bed? And the answer is familiarity. Everybody close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Who is speaking to you right now? Open your eyes. Tell me. Who was it? How did you know it was me? Because my grainy voice is seared into your consciousness. Uh, how many of you are visiting for the first time today? Did you still know it was me talking? I've never met most of you. How did you know it was me? You haven't listened to me for longer than 15 minutes. You're Just really good at becoming familiar with voices. How long have you been walking with the Lord? Longer than 15 minutes? You should know his voice by now. When you have a dream, how do you know it's from God? Well, it sounds like God, it feels like God. If you have a thought in your head, how do you know God put that thought there? Well, because it sounds like God, it feels like God. It's purely relational. It's purely based on familiarity. There is no formula, there is no mechanism for it. You know the voice of the Lord because you know the Lord and you have dedicated yourself to that relationship. You can pick his voice out of a crushing crowd. Just like a young mom can hear her kid crying on the playground 100 meters away. There might be 100 kids there, but when your kid falls down and scrapes her knee, boom, you, you notice. Why? Because that's the most important voice in the world to you. Purely Familiarity. And the ministry of prophecy, above all else, requires that you cultivate that sort of familiarity. You have to practice listening to the voice of the Lord. And if you do it, you'll find it's pretty easy to pick his voice out. Because, and this may surprise you, God has a fairly unique voice. He's a voice unlike any other uh, that you will hear in your life. Never has any darkness in it. Really, really unique. All right, uh, second step is interpreting prophecy uh, and it's cut to the chase. The Lord often speaks in ways that are mysterious. He often speaks in symbols. If you've read any of the prophetic uh, messages in Scripture, you know they're always, they're often symbolic. Uh, I see uh, this animal. It has seven heads with seven crowns and all these eyes. And what the heck is going on there? God, why don't you just say what you mean? Um, you know, the uh, the most prophesied event in all of Scripture was the coming of Jesus. You know, by some count, over a thousand prophecies in the Old Testament of Jesus coming. But when Jesus came, who noticed it? A bunch of foreign magi. You know, nobody among uh, God's people even, even noticed uh, when Jesus came without a, without a lot of help uh, at the moment. It's because there was always room for wiggle in what the Lord said. There were symbols, you know, it's, it was It was mysterious. Why doesn't the Lord uh, speak plainly? Well, number one, because he wants you to lean in. The Lord will say something to you, and you will have to say, can you tell me more? Right? You will have to follow up, and that's relationship building. So I think that's one reason the Lord does it that way. Why does the Lord speak symbolically? Well, I think another reason is because a picture is worth a thousand words. If the Lord spoke to you in essays, come on, you would forget 85% of what he said. Because we're not good at remembering essays. But if he gives you a picture, you can remember a ton of stuff in just a moment. You know, in, in the book of Revelation, John has a vision of a lamb who looked as though he were slain, sitting on a throne in heaven in the land. And the lamb was covered with eyes and was wearing a crown. And that, in, that picture probably came to John in an instant, but it, in ca- it contained a ton of stuff that has become fundamental to the theology of the church. The lamb who was slain, who is that? We have learned that that's a metaphor for Jesus. Sitting on a throne in heaven, what does that mean? Well, the suffering servant of Jesus is actually God, which is a mind-blowing thing took the church a while to wrestle with that and really get its head around that. And that lamb was, had a crown on, on its head. That means all-powerful. Uh, and the lamb, lamb had a bunch of eyes, was covered with eyes, and that means all-seen or omniscient, as the theologian said. You got all of this revolutionary complicated theology in a moment. A picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons why the Lord speaks to you as he does. Um, but it will require you to chew on what you have seen and work it out. And again, that's relationship building. Uh, part of getting good at interpretation is learning the symbolic alphabet. Uh, it's not always visually symbolic, sometimes it's verbally uh, symbolic. When the Lord shows you a rainbow in your dreams, what are, what are, you, what are you seeing? What does that indicate? Somebody shouted out, Promise! Rainbow represents promises. Why do we know that? Story of Noah. It's in the Bible. And a big part of the alphabet that the Lord uses to speak to you will be uh, biblical. It will remind you of stuff that you've seen in the Bible. And some of it will be personal. My favorite example is my tin can. You got to know my tin can story. Uh, I've been doing prophetic ministry a long time. I started out there, there's this uh, the pastor of the church I was going to decided I was prophetically gifted and uh, started making me prophesy in front of crowds of people. Like I will make some of you prophesy over this crowd in a few minutes. You have been warned. Um, and when I did that, I, was, I would always see in my mind's eye this tin can superimposed on people that I was looking at. And I know the Lord was trying to tell me something with that vision, but I didn't know what he was trying to tell me. The Lord says that you're... A little rusty, the Lord says, that you need to put a lid on it, buddy. Um, I just, no, nothing, nothing was working, and I just got frustrated with it, and I got to a point wherever I saw it, I would just ignore it. It's like, forget it. Uh, one day I was praying for a guy, and I saw uh, the picture, and I was like, just forget it, Lord. You know, just don't speak to me like that anymore. If I'm not going to be able to figure it out, I'm just going to pray for him. So I just started praying. Oh, Lord, uh, the guy's name was Eric, and he had asked me for some direction in his life. And so I just, oh, Lord, just kind of show Eric uh, what he should do in life. I want you to show him the things that, that you have lined up for him. Show him his gifts. Show him the things that he can do really well. Show him what he can do. Can do. Can do. It's a pun. Right? When the Lord showed me the can, he was saying, okay, Jordan, pay attention. I'm about to tell you what this person can do. <laughs> Puns, uh, And if you're interested, puns and sarcasm are the only forms of humor found in Scripture. I feel very holy. Um, but if you pay attention to your dreams, you pay attention that the Lord speaks to you, you will pick up a personal alphabet. There will be some things that the Lord says to you over and over and over, and, and he will stay constant with the way that he speaks to you over time. That's relationship building. Sony and I have been married for 23 years. We have developed certain codes for talking, right? Any married couples, you know what I'm talking about? Things that you don't really need to explain. You just sort of speak about in shorthand. Or in my case, grunts. But you know what I'm talking about, right, honey? No clue whatsoever. (laughs) Okay, different analogy. I have a dog. And my dog is so in tune to me that if I go, she comes. You know, I didn't even display it. I look at her. She knows to sit because dogs pay attention. (laughs) What we see in Scripture, uh, um, is not just the Lord speaking in a way that requires some interpretation and follow on. We see how the Lord teaches us to learn our alphabet and to learn uh, uh, the way that he converses with us. And my favorite example of this actually comes from the book of Jeremiah. One of my favorite books of the Bible, The Name of My Son. Um, and at the beginning of the book of Jeremiah, all of the book is great. For any of you who want to grow in, in prophecy or understanding the ways of interpretation and, and the way that prophecy works in a life, read the book of Jeremiah. It is just uh, peerless in this regard. At the beginning of the book of Jeremiah, we see, Jeremiah, uh, we see God call Jeremiah as a young man. And Jeremiah protests. I don't want to be a prophet. I'm just a kid and I don't know what I'm doing. Forget it. And the Lord says, you know, essentially, hey, stop it. I'm making you a prophet. Deal with it. Uh, But he doesn't leave it there. Then he begins to drill Jeremiah on skills of prophetic conversation. And we get to see it all right there. Here's an excerpt from chapter 1. Right at the beginning, Uh, the Lord has just told Jeremiah, no, you're going to be a prophet. And then he says, Jeremiah writes, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? That's the word of the Lord. (laughs) You know, that's how it starts. What do you see, Jeremiah? It tells you, step one the Lord teaches Jeremiah to look, to notice, right? He doesn't just slap him with a vision. He makes him notice the vision he's already having. He makes him notice that God is already speaking to him. And I, I, can, I can pretty much promise you, at least most of you, that that's the step that the Lord wants to get you to take today. He's already speaking to you. Notice it, right? He will come alongside you and he says, hey, what do you see? Oh, I guess I am seeing something. What do you hear? I am kind of feeling that nudge of the Lord in my spirit. Step one. Right there. Uh, I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Huh? What? What's, what's going on there? And to really understand what's going on there, you need to read the footnote in your Bible or you need to know a little bit of Hebrew or something like that. Because the Hebrew word for almond tree is, is pretty much identical in sound to the Hebrew word for the verb to watch. Right? So it's as if the Lord is saying, What do you see, Jeremiah? Oh, I see the branch of a tree. Oh, you have seen correctly, uh, for I am ordering my people to branch out. It's a pun, it's a pun. Right, which was a great way for the Lord to start teaching Jeremiah because he was protesting, he was nervous, he was insecure. And so the first vision that the Lord drills Jeremiah in makes, makes the kid giggle, makes him laugh. Ah, it's a pun. It's a tin can. Is what they can do. I get that's, that's hilarious. It's, you're not really feeling this, are you? You following? It's funny. Thank you. Uh, so that's lesson number one. The word of the Lord came to me again. Okay, what do you see this time? You're seeing more. Oh, I guess I am seeing more. And slowly Jeremiah is being convinced that, oh, I can perceive prophecy. I guess I am up to this. I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. Okay, so this is a little more. Jeremiah has that picture back here of a pot of boiling water and it's being tilted toward him, toward his people from the north. How does he know it's from the north? He just knows, right? He's having an imagination picture, but somehow he, he has this knowing which direction north is in, in the picture. So it's not just an image, it comes with a little bit of knowledge with it. So it's a deeper Prophetic word. And, and, and you see, the Lord begins to subtly expand uh, the, the depth of, of what Jeremiah is, is perceiving. The Lord said to me, Ah, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declare the Lord. And he's talking about the invasion of uh, the the northern countries, into Israel and take them to exile. That's what Jeremiah is seeing. And he's using the image of boiling water to represent angry armies. There's sort of an intuitive quality to that metaphor. And boiling water is a symbol that would be reused in Jeremiah's ministry. Their kings will come and set up thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all the surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments On my people, because of their wickedness and forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods, and in worshiping what their hands have made. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified of them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, the officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. The biggest part of that isn't the interpretation, it is the application. Jeremiah, you have seen correctly. You understand that, that Israel is about to be invaded by angry armies from the north. I am doing this because it's what Israel needs to straighten up. This is how you apply it to your life. Suck it up and be strong because we need a prophetic voice in the land today. The biggest part is applying it well. And now The Lord has stepped Jeremiah through all three steps. The perception, the interpretation, and the application. And thus begins Jeremiah's prophetic ministry. And thus will begin your prophetic ministry as well. You will perceive something. You will understand it, maybe with a little help. And then you will have to apply it to your life. Or if you're receiving a word for someone else, apply it to their life. That's the ministry of prophecy. Speaking of applying prophecy, the way to do it is humbly. If you feel like you've received something from the Lord, understand that the Lord has probably spoken it in a mysterious way. Maybe there's been some symbolism involved or there's some discernment in understanding what it means. So nobody who receives a prophetic word is going to understand it 100% or at least not 100% of the time, which means we need to be humble in our conversation with the Lord. In the same way, I am humble in my conversation uh, with my wife. She says something to me. I think I get what she says, but I have learned over time to listen actively. Okay, so what you're saying is, now you don't need to go uh, to any of my uh, marriage seminars. That's really all I know. So am I understanding this correctly? That, you know... There's always something uh, to work out. There's a little humility in the course of the conversation, even more so when you are speaking with a God who requires uh, faith in in conversation. Prophecies also unfold over time. The Lord will... See, the point of prophecy, as I said at the beginning, is obedience, is inviting you to step out in obedience. And so it is... The Lord's style to give you a prophetic word that will tell you what to do with the next step, but not the one after that. (laughs) Or the Lord will say something to you, you will get involved in whatever he's saying, only to discover that there's more to it. When Jesus invited the disciples to follow him, follow me, I will make you fishers of of people. Do you really think the disciples knew what they were getting into? No, it was an invitation to begin a journey. Uh, And some of them realized that over time. It's like, ah, my understanding of what it means to follow this Messiah needs to be adjusted. He's not the Messiah that I expected. And therefore, my life is becoming something I did not expect. So they had prophetic revelation, but they held it gently. (laughs) They let it unfold over time. They learned as they went. Every prophecy has a learning curve. The guy who didn't do that was Judas. Right? He jumped on board. I want to be a fisher of men. And then along the way, he discovered, wait a minute. This is not what I expected. And he betrayed, he betrayed Jesus. He was holding on to his understanding of things with white knuckles. And thats you don't do that if you're on a journey of faith. So prophecies will unfold over time. The point of prophecy is to get you to obey, to get you to step out in risk. Uh, Some people come to me, ask for prophetic word, tell me what to do because then I will have a guarantee. Never works that way. If you respond to a prophecy of the Lord, it will require more faith and more risk. It will not alleviate the need for faith and risk in your life. I'm just warning you. If you want a prophetic word from the Lord, if you, think, if you ask the Lord to give you guidance in your life, it will not make your life feel more secure. Uh, but it may generate more faith for you. Got it? Uh, I just want to end with some keys to getting better at prophecy. Um, we've just touched on a few things. We really want to be a prophetic community. Uh, we want to hear the voice of the Lord together. and We want to encourage one another to hear from the voice of the Lord to hear the voice of the Lord. And here are some tried and true tips for getting better at it. Simple things. Number one, pay attention. Uh, Not necessarily to me. Uh, Pay attention uh, to the Lord. Whenever you pray to God, uh, don't just talk, also listen. If you fail to listen during your prayer times, uh, it's not a conversation. It is a lecture. Don't lecture God. He knows what you're going to say anyway. Um, Or I put it a different way, if the God of the universe speaks, it's really rude not to listen. And so a big part of of your life with God uh, needs to be listening to what he says. Uh, I have a drill for this. This is actually my number one drill for getting better at hearing from the Lord. Keep a journal by your bed, and when you wake up in the morning, write down one line about what you dreamt. Not every dream comes from the Lord, but if you work at it, you will very, very quickly learn to discern which ones come from the Lord. And dreams are usually filled with symbols, and so immediately you will begin to learn your alphabet, whether it be symbols from Scripture or just symbols that the Lord is using with you and you only. Uh, Dream journals, best way I know uh, to progress quickly in the the skill uh, of listening to the Lord. And in doing something like that, you're saying, I'm paying attention. You're giving the Lord an opportunity. Uh, You are listening actively. Uh, There are a lot of ways in which we try to pay attention. We ask for prophetic words uh, from the prophetically gifted people in our congregation at the end of every service. You will notice we have people sort of just painting as the Spirit leads, getting prophetic words. We want to be a listening community, and we need to actively pay attention. We try to do that with one another. Every Ohana group that you get involved in will have people listening to the Lord on your behalf. And that's really cool. Uh, Number uh, two is obedience. And here, this, this is really about not getting stuck in hearing from the Lord. When you feel like you have heard from the Lord, you have to obey what you have heard. And then the Lord will say more. If you come to me and you say, next slide, guys. If you come to me and you say, um, I'm stuck. I'm not hearing anything from God. Then what I say to you is, uh, what's the last thing he told you? Have you taken action on it? Uh, and, and if you really feel stuck, often your answer is, well, well no. He told me to do this, and um, I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> Like, well, prophecy is always unto obedience. And if you want to get better at prophecy, get better at obedience. And then the Lord will say more. He will say deeper things. He will see more challenging things. He will release the rest of it to you. He told Abraham, go to a land I will show you. Abraham had to get moving before he got the rest of the roadmap, Uh, And that is very often how it is uh, for us in life because it's a life of, of faith. Number three, workshopping. Uh, workshopping perceptions and interpretations. As I said, every Ohana group that you get into will have people listening together. If you get into our ongoing Ohana groups, they will usually do prayer circles uh, as part of of their, their time together. They'll throw somebody in the middle. Everyone else will pray for them, and then they'll say, hey, did anybody hear anything from the Lord? And someone will say, I think I heard the Lord saying this, or I saw a vision for you. It was this. And then We will interpret together what it means because, you know, two heads are better than one and 10 heads are better than two. And that's really the way that we get better individually at the ministry of prophecy. We practice together. We listen together. Paul says to the Corinthians uh, in church services, one prophet should speak, and the others will sit quietly and evaluate what is being said. We're always helping each other to listen well. Uh, because, again, the Lord is often a little bit mysterious. So we workshop it together. You know, We throw it out there, and we see what our traveling companions think. Uh, they help us listen to the Lord. And some of us are more mature other than others, and so the older ones help the younger ones in, in, the, in the ministry of prophecy. And finally, I'll just leave you with this. If you want to get better at prophecy, read Scripture. Because scriptural symbols make up a big part of our prophetic alphabet. Particularly read the prophetic chunks of scripture. The ones that are filled with prophecies. Are about the prophets. Now most every story contains some element of somebody hearing directly from the Lord. So you can read almost any part of scripture. And get some prophetic understanding. But there really is no substitute to getting the scripture in your head because it helps you understand what the Lord is saying. He, uh, he relies on Scripture to communicate, uh, just as we often rely on Scripture to listen and to understand. And that's it. That's all I got to say. It's an exciting life, the prophetic life. Father, I pray that you would perfect your agenda for every person here this morning. I pray that we would all be changed at least a little bit before we go. I do pray, Lord, that you would speak plainly comfortingly and challengingly to your people. Make us a people of obedience and thereby a people of adventure and fruitfulness. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen.